Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we don't say NFT. I'm Donnie Clutterbuck, and I'll be your host. Welcome to Don't Say NFT, the show where we don't usually say NFT, except sometimes we do. This is episode seven, and it's about memes. Uh, Boo, did you do your reading this time? Yes, I like the part incredible. where... Pepe is neutral. Yeah. Pepe is for everyone. Pepe is a base template for the next person to go and express themselves. Yep. Hit my heart. Yeah, that's um, that's something that I've been doing a lot of thinking about because we, you know, we say the word meme, and we usually mean image macro when we refer to meme. It means that it's like a, there's a picture and then there's words overlaid on it, and that's technically what an image macro is. And sometimes image macros are memes, but memes can be so so much more than that, and we deal in them. I think a big part of why the internet has adopted memes is because we can't deal in the the intricacies of human communication in person. We can't really replicate that on the internet. Like like when my eyebrows go up when I'm saying something or my eyes get just a little bit wider and you don't even notice it's happening, but like it means something in the context or it changes the context of what I'm saying when that happens. So we don't really have those. So all we have is stark words in whatever font people have chosen to display and every phone's different too. Apples and Androids or iPhones and Androids use different fonts. Every website uses a different font. Um, those fonts all like, you know, when you drive by a shop and you're like, God, who made that like name their branding? Design you know, like brand. Comic Sans? Who would do that? <laughs> you know? Hey, don't just my boy Comic Sans. <laughs> everything, you know, I, everything has, uh, you know, when you ferment tea, it's technically gone bad, but now it's kombucha. Right? There, everything has a use or everything is good for something. <laughs> Nothing is inherently bad except Comic Sans. The only thing you can use Comic Sans for is making fun of other people's branding, I think. And that's, you know, that's why I'm using it that way. So if when it's written word and there is a blank background, we need to add things in. It's going to be pictures and GIFs. And those pictures often are image macros because we use them in the same way that memes have been used or whether accidentally or on purpose for a really long time because you understand the formatting of the background. Like when you see the picture of the guy and the girl holding hands and walking down the street and the guy's looking back, uh, you know what that means before the words are there and it amplifies whatever the words say to make a point that you might be saying above that before you even posted that uh, now meme, right? or you're using a meme in order to put text on to give it a backstory or some outside context. And it, Richard Dawkins, I think, was the first person to coin the term meme. And the definition of meme is loosely, anyway, a unit of cultural information that's passed from person to person, kind of just somehow, like however it happens. So throwing up a peace sign at someone is a meme. You don't really need to know what, like no one has to tell you what that means. You just watch people do it and now you do it. Like the actual action of throwing up the peace sign is the Yeah, thing. like as when I put two fingers up oh. in the air uh, with my hand pointing outward at you, like my palm facing you, that is, I mean, I don't know who's in charge of deciding what a meme is or not, but that's a unit of cultural information that's passed from person to person. That method of communication, um, language, I think is somehow a meme, the, the, specifically the development of language. So it, like you used the word uh, a few episodes, you said the word riz. That's a word that didn't exist when I was a kid. It wasn't in the lexicon. And I would bet that if it's not already, it's going to be in the Merriam-Webster dictionary in the coming years, just because the word is gaining popularity. And if you think about it, 
language doesn't exist until we make it. We've made all language that ever exists. It's all made up. Names are all made up. Everything's made up. So like, well, that's so true. So anytime we make up a word, it's valid. Every word that is valid because was a, made up. A short term that has more meaning. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Right. Like you're blowing my mind. Isn't, every every podcast blows like my mind. Like the word backpack. That exists because we made it up. That's not the word for that thing. It's just the word for that thing because we say it's the word for that thing. And how does that come to be? Through memes. Just transferring cultural information until it's normalized and then it becomes part of our lives. Um, so the exploration that I've done a lot of is just like in font. I, I've done, done <laughs> Helvetica has been my favorite font for like 15 recordable years, I think. And I'm sure I liked it before that without knowing that I was liking it. But if you look at like the New York City subway system font or the branding of Panasonic, Jeep, the North Face, Target, um, honestly, almost every mega successful brand, all of those are derivatives of or exact copies of Helvetica with different spacing. Uh, and, and Helvetica is a sans serif font, meaning it doesn't have those like you know, when you type a capital I, it either has the boards on top and bottom of it or it doesn't. When it doesn't, that's sans serif. When it has the two boards, uh, you know, boxing in the bottom and top of the I, that's a serif font. Um, so it's sans serif and it is meant or was designed to impart absolutely no outside emotion into whatever is typed in it. So I can type the word, uh, oh, I don't know, what's, what is uh, blank. I can type the word blank. And in, in Helvetica, and you will just go blank. I, I understand blank. If I type blank in Comic Sans, it sounds like a cartoon clown is saying it. If I type blank in Courier New, it sounds more serious, like there's something devastating happening. Like this is bad news. Blank is bad news. Um, you can get people to feel things, like even Sharpie. Just look at the Sharpie logo. It makes you want to have fun with a Sharpie, but not because it says Sharpie. It's because it's got this like wispy balloony sort of cursive font that like makes you think something when you look at it. So it makes you want to draw. Map yeah. On it. Like it makes you want to do exactly what it looks like when you look at the, um, the, the logo. So if fonts can do this as a backdrop for the words they're saying, then memes must be doing this as a backdrop for the words they're saying. So not only can you use different fonts and memes, but you can also use backgrounds or, or um, images of like scenarios, you know, and I think a lot of those things, I'm going to go with my thesis, I guess. This, I usually do this backwards. I usually like, no, should I wait? Yeah, let's let's wait. Boo, what's your favorite meme? When do you use it? What is my favorite meme right now? Dude, I don't know. My favorite memes. Too. I mean, honestly, I use Pepe a lot. Like I started, <laughs> I downloaded a Pepe album on my iPhone. So when I text my friends and they send me questionable such shit, I send them a Pepe meme or I just like go with it just because I feel like it adds spice to my combos. It's just fun. It's going to be so um, difficult. I would honestly say like, it's, so, it's so generic, but it really is like one of my favorite memes. Um, also, TikTok has a lot of like. I don't know. I'm Gen Z, so I go on TikTok a lot. There's there's so many different memes. There's so many different memes every day that I pass. And like some make me giggle and some make me cringe. And it's just, it varies. But the ones that make me cringe make other people laugh and giggle. So it's like everyone got their own meme preference. So are you saying that somehow everything we put out there is subject to interpretation by another person whose interpretation we can't control? Yeah. This is a big part of the point. It's, it's, like, it's like, I mean, like the... So put it in terms, I guess, that my brain would understand. It's like when you, so the fairy community, like no harm to them. Like people love what they love. 
But it's like, if I saw a meme or if I saw a TikTok of a fairy dancing, like I'm going to cringe and like hold the tab and click not interested. So I never see that on my For You page again. But other people might like the video and then comment, oh my God, your fursuit's so cute. XOXO, like puppy lover 2000. And like, yeah, do your own thing. Like have fun, but I'll get that shit off my feed. So I wonder, <laughs> this is actually, dogs and cats are a big part of the example I use when I talk about things like this because we forget how polarizing things can be that we view a certain way and want to bolster a certain narrative with. But someone else will be like, I don't know, if I invite you all over for dinner and I make us a pizza and everybody likes pepperoni and cheese, but I put olives on the pizza, half of you aren't going to like the pizza. But I love <laughs> olives. I don't actually love olives. But like in this example, I love them. So I'm trying to show you how great I think this is. And then you're all like, yuck, this is gross. And there's nothing I can do to change that except removing everything except for the base elements of the pizza and probably making everybody get it a little bit more, right? So in the case of fonts, I think Helvetica is that removal. How do we translate this to memes? What's the point? Like, why, why, am, I, why am I even talking? Why is there a full episode dedicated to memes? There's a full episode de dedicated to memes because I think everything is polarizing except Pepe. Pepe can be polarizing if used in a polarizing way, but Pepe as a base is not. Hit it, coming up. Jam, jam. I got to keep it short and sweet. I am at work, but uh, I do like the conversation. Memes are the culture, but uh, where is I going to start? Oh, as a reply guy, I like memes. It helps me quickly express myself, let alone, you know, get to uh, a ha-ha funny bone. Uh, you almost make a quicker connection besides just, I don't know, a mo. I don't know. Yeah, I just feel like you make a quicker connection to these memes. Um, and then as far as Pepe, he's, well, in my opinion, you know, genderless and, uh, you know, raceless and all this other stuff. So if that matters, that helps people use it more culture nationally and worldwide. Couldn't agree more. That is uh, another furthering of the point that I have eventually come to about Pepe. Think about all the powers just a meme has memes have the power to build up communities look at pepe for example pepe made so many millionaires with their shitcoin and it all started from nothing but a meme so as dumb as that may sound you just gotta look at it that way there's so much power in memes there's a huge amount of power it can unite people and divide people and get them rich and make them poor and tug on all of their heartstrings Exactly. I think it's such a common point of language that I've seen a couple NFT community, oh shit, uh, digital art collectibles that... Uh, Somebody had to do it first. My bad. You, you said it first, just saying the title. <laughs> Somebody had to do it second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they use these... Uh, they have so many gifts or memes that like it's hard not to see them and like i think that's a very strong strong of them because now you have people not even knowing that they're using digital assets that are associated uh, that have value that you can buy and trade with crypto that they're just using it for the culture and for the memes and that's that's cool it seems as though it has i don't know worked its way into our lives in this culturally mandatory way and I think that 
I guess if everything is transmitted, like shoes, shoes were a meme. For someone put something on their feet first and walked around for a while and everybody looked at it and went, oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, I don't have to have like foot blisters all the time. Great. I'll put these uh, deer skin wrappings on my feet and then we're going to be happier and easier. And then all of a sudden everybody's wearing shoes, right? Uh, I think everything catches on fire that way when it's a good idea or when it's a preferable, useful idea. And in Pepe, you you touched on this. Uh, someone, I forgot who said this, genderless, I think it was coined up. Uh, genderless and raceless and not big, not small, and not anything is what I would argue. And I'd say that any meme that includes an actual human polarizes its perception based on who's viewing it in a way that Pepe does not. And I think if there's a meme about a chair, you'll find couch people who dislike it. And if there's a meme about a dog, you'll find cat people who don't view it quite the same way. And if you, it's a meme about a hamburger, hot dog people won't read it the same way. And uh, on and on and on, honestly, everything. A meme about a sports car, environmentalists won't like it. A meme about literally everything that we encounter, we classify and categorize as items that we can either use or partake in or uh, use as amplification for ourselves. Yeah, coin up. I think Pepe has just enough personification, like human or you can relate to attributes that we uh, people can adapt and use it for expressing themselves or mostly that. Yeah. Well, if it was a little bit, like you said, animal or chair or a little bit less related to us or a human or something, then I don't think we would use it. It seems we have opinions about just about everything. And anything you show me, I'm going to go, I want to use this or I want to use something like it because I like that other thing better or I want to be around this because it's pleasurable and I don't want to be around this because there's always a thought process. And you can dial this all the way down to insects and up to structures and everything in between that's consumable and or not consumable. And the only thing that I can think of, and this doesn't mean that it's the only thing, it just means the only thing so far in my, you know, many hours logged overthinking why Pepe is the most famous meme and continues to be, no matter what you throw at it, um, is that the frog is is a nothing to us. And I don't mean we look down on it. I mean, we coexist with frogs in a way that we don't even know we're doing it and that we don't really coexist with anything else, any other man-made or whether it's an artifact or a pre-existing thing. I don't think there's anything else we interact with on the same level as we do with a frog. And by this, I mean, if a yellow jacket flies near you, you go, wow, get out of here. And if a bee flies near you, you're like, okay, but don't sting me. I know you're good for us. You're thinking about it. You're like, this can hurt me. And if you see a dog, you go, I want to pet it. You see a cat, you go, I like that it doesn't need me. It's fun to pet or I hate it or whatever. Everything you see you're looking at. So the the point that I was probably very slowly getting to, I'm trying to I'm trying to exercise this fully because I don't want to just come out with the end, but maybe I'll just come out with the end. When you see a frog, you don't look at it and go, that's my mate or it's not my mate. It's food or it's not food. It's going to hurt me or it's not. You you just if a frog hopped into my room right now, the only thing I think is how the fuck did a frog get in here? I wouldn't think, "Ah, get it out." I, I wouldn't think, I, wow, that looks delicious. Or I, I just, I don't think I would have any baseline reaction to it. A snake, I would. Um, a lizard might spook me a bit, even though I might not be scared of it. I might want it out. But like a frog, I think, is one of those things that like 
doesn't fall into any usable category for us. And there's no mandatory response. And I think it's the only thing I've ever encountered that is that way. And my thesis is that Pepe remains since 2005 the most famous meme, no matter what sort of vitriol he's been used to to spill, uh, the cleanest and most universal meme. And around this, I wanted to just base a discussion about what makes a meme, why we use memes, and yada, yada, yada. So I kind of, we're doing this backwards this time. That's my theory. And we can move on from there. If anyone has anything to, if you want to attack it, you want to tell me that like memes, oh man, we just got one of the most famous frogs and ordinals in here. So coin up, you have a frog as a PFP. And I think that falls into this category of the unaggressive frog, uh, but also the relatable frog because it's sort of anthropomorphized. Like you said, it's turned, we've turned a frog into a person. And that's why this person is not black or white or male or female or fat or skinny. It's just frog. It's a person you can't judge from a human standpoint. Is that why you have a frog PFP, Quinnip? I, I don't know if I had put that much <laughs> thought into it. But <laughs> in fact, I'm trying to place myself. I wasn't here for the past 20 minutes. So I want to catch up exactly at where we are in the conversation. I think, let, I mean, I'll just say why. I do in somewhat poetic language, and you can tell me if that was kind of what you were saying. I think, aside from just vibing with Pepe as like a universal symbol of inter- of the internet and internet culture, like I very much find value in in leaning in to being a bit of a meme and identifying with mimetic culture. Well, I like to merge my identity with mimetic culture. I like to lean into the fact that all of this is memes at the end of the day. I very much find my entire life to be something of a meme. <laughs> so what made you choose Pepe specifically over, you know, when, whenever you were developing the inscribed Pepe's collection and everything that followed it, what about Pepe drew you in? I mean, I've always very much felt a closeness to Pepe in this entire space. I mean, ever since I kind of went full-time in this space, there's been one consistent symbol throughout that entire experience, whether we're talking memes or the emotes I use on Discord or just the symbols that are actually pervasive in the NFT space. Pepe just appears again and again and again, ubiquitously, right? And when just searching our minds for like what's something everyone can vibe with and what deserves to be on Bitcoin, Pepe was obvious, right? And I think uh, the posit that I was making before, or uh, yeah, before you showed up was that Pepe is, I think you've read this thread actually. I don't know if you were behind the inscribed Pepe's account when you retweeted it, but I, I made a th- uh, thread like a month ago or something about how Pepe is the Helvetica of the meme world meaning that Pepe can't offend unless Pepe is saying something offensive. Pepe doesn't anger you unless Pepe says something that angers you. When you look at it, it's nothing. It's a blank representation of a person because that person is a frog, and frogs are something we have zero thoughts about. I don't think there's anything else out there. In fact, I implore anyone who's in the audience or on stage, think of an item or a creature, meaning artifact or pre-existing thing in the world that people don't have a response to 
Can you even think of one? I really just think it's frogs. My friend has a response to frogs. She thinks that they're not real. I was, I was thinking about this when you said if a frog went into your room and you would just think, like, what the fuck is a frog doing in my room? She thinks they're not my friend real? would, like, freak the fuck out. Like, she'd lose her shit. She thinks they're not real. Yeah. All right, well... I'm, I haven't I'm gonna, heard that one. I'm going to call this one an outlier and <laughs> maybe not important for the success or denial of the meme because there are people who are, you know, f- have phobias that revolve around rubber bands, you know? So that's like, we got to... We have to chew... <laughs> We have to trim off some percentage of the population's thoughts. So anybody else, can anyone think of, so there's an example of someone who was afraid of frogs, I guess, for whatever reason. Can anyone think of something that no one without a phobia has a reaction to other than frogs? Like you look at car keys, you think to yourself, I can drive with that. Or maybe that's in the wrong place. Did someone leave their car keys here? You have, you have a thought, any thought. What about plants? Plants, they can be food. But you also can't anthropomorphize them. Frogs so they don't really function as memes. Yeah, it, it's, it feels different because frogs have ribs and eyeballs and like sort of look like us in a way that we can add our features or stance or something to it and make it relatable on a human level. There are not a lot of ways to turn a plant into something memeable and human friendly. You know, like we, it's hard to imagine you yourself as an old plant memes. What's that? You haven't seen those dank plant memes? I mean, I, I would love to imagine myself as an oak tree, but like then I'm limited. I can't move, right? That kind of is a bummer. I'm stuck in one place. Uh, I can't put clothes on, so I might be cold a lot. Uh, squirrels can live in me. Like that sounds like a frog is autonomous and mammalian. And we can exemplify ourselves as that through Pepe without inciting any background noise at all. Except for that one person who thinks frogs aren't real. I really need to, I want to dig into that a little bit, but I, I wish that person were here right now. But again, can you actually think of something that we don't have a use for and don't have a response to? I, I really, I can't. Art, computers, knives, forks, spoons. Are you saying that Pepe is the most perfect, graceful meme to ever touch humanity's embrace? Yes, and I don't and think we can do a better job of it. I don't think there's anything, I think that, we like to think that we make the rules, but I think the rules make themselves. When you see something that has been pervasive over the course of what has it been, 18 years of Pepe now, despite its almost destruction, my parents thought that it was a white power um, uh, meme, specifically because that's the only one they'd seen. But then they realized that there are so many more, and now they're like, they saw one that wasn't a white power Pepe, and now they're like, oh, that's, you know, they've, they've, it's shed, it so easily sheds the misconceptions that you throw at it because it's such a blank slate. So it being pervasive for 18 years is the proof that what we're saying is true. I'm trying to figure out if that's permanent or if there's something behind it that we just haven't figured out yet that is exploitable in the same way. I mean, the only similarly memed like or animal that's been memed to the similar extent is the doge, right? But like you can't really identify with the doge as easily as with Pepe. I think we can identify with the Doge, but only half of us can, because the other half are cat people. Oh, you're just saying the frog is like the most neutral, ridiculous animal. Because it's not a pet. It's rarely food. You know, like you, you can eat almost anything that you can get your hands on, technically. The frogs aren't like, you know, you don't go to a restaurant, not look at the menu and go, I'll have the frog. Just assuming I, I, frogs, right? I have ordered the frog before just to try it. But you would never go to just any restaurant. Not any restaurant. No, I went to the frog place. I tried saying. it. 
log. Yeah, <laughs> you can always find an exception to any rule. Of course, of course. I've eaten frogs too. Uh, frog legs anyway. I don't know about the rest of it. I really don't know what part I was eating, I guess. But when I think, oh, I'm hungry. I'm never like, does anybody have a frog? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think there's a lot of people who do that. Maybe culturally it's different elsewhere. But the majority of the developed world that uses the internet and partakes in this thing does not view frogs as anything. They simply coexist. Yeah, coin up. I've been thinking the frog's a good good example. Like you said, if you think of bugs, like who think cats or dogs, there's the other 50%. I was thinking like, okay, a turtle, but then they're, they're seen as slow. And what if I'm a fast guy? I don't want to be seen as slow. And then I think of like Looney Tunes and like all the damn animals in there. It's like, all right, well, that ruins every, every animal on that because now it's already been used. And now I might, I don't know. So it's like, you got to think of things that are less used, don't have all the good or like you don't, don't have prehistory to it. Otherwise that history might adapt to what you're taking, you know, that makes sense. I'm not sure the frog can be colored by history because there was that dead frog in a shoebox in the, I don't know, whenever that cartoon was many decades ago, probably in the early 20th century. Oh, the MW uh, Where he would like... W11, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who would like jump out of the box and dance and sing when the kid was in the room. And then he'd be dead again. Yeah. So like, that's it. But like, how many famous rabbits are there, right? There's Bugs Bunny. That's kind of the Easter Bunny, I suppose. But I don't think it's because of organized religion or Disney that we view the rabbit the way we do. I think they were exploiting the way that we view the rabbit by adding characters to it. But when you strip those characters away and you simply take rabbit along with you, rabbit has characteristics that we judge. It's maybe, it's a prey animal. It has eyes on the side of its head. We don't relate to those that much because they're usually food, right? Um, It is skittish. They're not super loving. They don't do things like, if you want to use it for something, you have to, well, frankly, you can use it for something. You can eat it as food or you can wear it as clothing. And it's kind of like we don't really relate to them that much. So we do have thoughts when we see a rabbit. Uh, even if it's just, ooh, rabbit, I want to pet it. You don't look at a frog and want to pet it. You don't want to hurt it. You I do. Kill it. You do? Yeah, pets are frogs are cute. <laughs> well, good. Then I guess we have so far only positive responses except for the one phobia that's listed. Um, except for the person who believes frogs ain't real. Right. So the, the point I'm trying to make, I guess, is that everything that we interact with on a regular basis is started by a meme somehow, a unit of a transfer of cultural information from one person to the next. Every single thing that we do has started as one of those. And Pepe is in its early phases, I guess, as far as memes go, because shoes have been around for hundreds of years or thousands of years and hundreds of thousands of years, maybe. And uh, language has been around for as long as people have tried to communicate with one another, even if it was just in grunts. You know, the first word that was ever uttered was not language yet. We memed it into existence. Um, So I think everything does this. And we're watching the rise of... The frog. So when Dogecoin was kicking around and everybody was like, cute dog, get it, want to buy Dogecoin. People still doing it, still in the top 10. Shiba Inu took advantage of that too. Cat coins never really took off. I think there are fewer cat people than dog people, or maybe cat people are both dog people and cat people. You know, there's got to be some overlap there. But clearly, cats did meme the internet hard. And there was, what was that documentary, Don't Fuck With Cats? Do you remember that? Cats are like the untouchable on the internet. You don't mess with them because they're like, they're everybody's favorite pet that like somehow is, it it can't defend itself and it's cute and it doesn't need you, but it needs you and all that stuff. So I think there's a lot 
that goes on and has gone on in the past with other things that have their own backdrop, their own like preconceived notion, their own context. And I'm still, I still maintain, I don't think the frog can have that context. I think that it's super easy to draw a frog and then dress it up. And all you get in terms of your perception of it is what it's dressed as and what it's saying. Like owl, your profile picture of the fancy guy, Pepe with the, what is that? Like a martini, I think, or like a Manhattan or something. I see that frog and I go, I think I know what it would be like to be him. If that was a black guy with hair, I would not know what it would be like to be him because I've never lived an experience like that. And if it were a white woman with even more hair, I would still not really relate to it fully because I'm a white guy with no hair, but none of us are a frog. So like we don't see that as an opposite to who we are or a piece of an experience that we haven't lived. We just like transport ourselves into this blank slate in a way that I don't think anything else can do that. Right. It's a really interesting thought. It is definitely one possible answer to the why is it's so easy to identify with Pepe and frogs versus just other figures, symbols, characters. Oh, what's super fascinating to me is usually when it comes to memes or like meme lifespan, things last days, weeks, couple months. But Pepe is the only meme out there that I've seen since I was old enough to browse the internet. Like, no one's gotten sick of it. Usually humans are like, oh, like that meme is so old. Like that meme is dead. Like, why are you bringing up that meme again? But no one ever says anything about Pepe. And I guess it makes sense why, because like talking about a conversation, but it's like, regardless, it's still a meme. So how is it so immortal? When you start browsing the internet. Do you have it written down somewhere? Maybe. Hold on. I started browsing the internet in 1998 on my mother and father's compact presario over a 56K uh, dial-up connection, of which we did not have a second line. So if if my mom picked it up to make a phone call, all of my illegal, very slow music downloads would stop. And I don't remember Pepe being around back then because I believe the first instance was 2005 uh, from that Matt Fury cartoon, right? Okay, I think I started browsing the internet when I was around six. So that was like 2008. And then, yeah, it was like 2008-ish. I'm trying to think when I first seen uh, Pepe. I know I seen it when I got Twitter, which was about two years ago. But uh, before that, I'm trying to think. I think that as these things, yeah, I guess maybe the point I'm trying to make is that entropy dictates that Everything will just fall into whatever state of resting chaos is the lowest input, kind of, like the lowest energy. The the ball will always roll into the valley when starting on the hill or at the top of the mountain. Entropy is ensured chaos. Occam's razor is a philosophical standpoint that the simplest answer is usually the true one. And in this case, I would say that We'd be overcomplicating it if we argued that Pepe were not all the things that we think it is, because it seems to be the most pervasive and colorless and uh, I don't even know a concise way to say it. Honestly, it's the most direct path to anything you want to show yourself as or say to someone else without the message diverging based on who's viewing it. Maybe that's the best way I can say that. So, you know. There it is. I can't believe, you know what's funny about this? There are so many people, this is what we do every day, right? Uh, The story of 
<laughs> I met this couple at the bar that I used to work at and they, the woman said she used to cut the ends off of her pork roast before she put them in the oven. And the guy was like, yeah, why, why do you do that? Like, what is it? Bad meat or something? Can we not eat that part? And she was like, no, my mom just does it. And then they called her mom and they were like, mom, why do you cut the ends off your pork roast? And she was like, I don't know. My mom did it. So they called grandma and they go, grandma, why'd you cut the ends off the pork roast? She goes, I don't know. My mom did it. And the great grandma's still alive at this point. And they call her. And do you know what she says? I cut the ends off the pork roast because the oven was too small. For four generations of people now, someone's cutting the ends off the pork roast, not really analyzing why that's occurring. And I unfortunately have this brain damage that doesn't allow me to carry those things with me. So I ask questions about absolutely everything. So I looked at Pepe the first time I saw him. I said, why is this frog drawing me in so much? And years later, I go, oh, it's the only thing that I don't judge the message of based on the background context. It's the only way to deliver a clean message, just like Helvetica. So there we have it. No one else has thought of this, huh? Is this based on the Scribe Pepe show post? <laughs> no, strangely enough. <laughs> I was memeing, but that's that's what I'm thinking about right now. Like, you motherfuckers really eternalize like an immortal meme. Well, I mean, Bitcoin frogs too. We're, we're part of a long line of people who have done an immortalization of that meme, right? We're, we're far from particularly innovative in that regard. I meant more like a tech literal sense. Yeah, we. it was the first place our minds went in terms of... Actually, we had this kind of obsession right when we got online with ordinals with like only kind of inscribing what we felt was worthy of inscribing. And it's funny because at first we were like, okay, let's like inscribe historical text, right? And famous art and or whatever might be important or significant to record. And then when we started thinking more meme right? Like what's funny, what's worth recording for all time on chain? Pepe just immediately seemed obvious. I love that. Hmm. Was it like a gut feeling? Like it just clicked in both of your guys' heads? All your guys' heads? I've just seen like, <laughs> I mean, when you're thinking about NFTs, I've seen over years at this point, there's just, there's always a moment when the market just goes to Pepe's, right? And whenever there's like a d wave of derivatives, although it's been a long time since any NFT project was successful enough for, the, for there to be derivatives of it, it's like one of those derivatives is always Pepe. Like Pepe has made an appearance in basically every single cycle and moment of the NFT market in one way or another. So, yeah, it just felt central. And I think, kind of leaning into what Donnie was saying earlier, why is that? You're right. It's like, it, maybe he's innocuous, right? Maybe he's just so flexible and uh -huh, not colored a particular way as a symbol that he can fuse with any other idea, right? any image, any art style, any thought, any idea. And it doesn't feel like you're leaning it a certain way by, by illustrating that in terms of Pepe. So this is the example of one frog. Pepe is one frog. But Bitcoin frogs, I think, might have been the stirrup on why I started overthinking this. Because I saw this collection of 10,000 frogs come out and I go, frogs? Why in the world is anybody inscribing frogs? Because like... I didn't even think of Pepe as a frog. It's some, like for most of my career of looking at, not that nobody's paying me to look at Pepe's, you know, most of the time that I've looked at any Pepe memes, I've looked at it as just this like reptilian, like a lizard guy 
with big funny lips and huge eyeballs who is like overly expressive. But that's not even always the case like because there's a lot of different interpretations of what Pepe looks like. And I think Frogtoshi hits something really interesting by dialing it all the way back from Pepe to actual frogs, just anthropomorphized frogs that are like sitting up like a human and PFP'd in that very same way. So I think there's a lot that we can learn from viewing the differences and similarities of how the Bitcoin frogs come across versus how every other Pepe, whether pixelated or high def or whatever, just memeable, even not in PFP form, what all these things have in common. And I think the thing that they all have in common is that their base layer is frog. Um, it's This is a developing theory. It's something that I just, I don't even really have anything I want to state here as much as I want to explore the concept of a meme. Because again, I started out with this, but I'm, I'll say it again. When we think of meme, we think of image macro. We think of some backdrop with some words on it. And sometimes it was Pepe that says, you know, it originally feels good, man, or something like that on it. And then like there's others that say things like when I'm when I wake up blank and then when she wakes up blank and like, you know, we get it because the backdrops there, the text means something more. But when you put Pepe behind it, it just allows you to it allows it allows the message to resonate in a way that's not colored by its backdrop. And I am always open to changing my viewpoint on this. I just over the course of time have come up with the fact that frogs are kind of not. I don't even know what the word is for it. They're not useless. They're not, um, they're not, they don't, they're not upsetting. They're not joyful. They're not any, they're nothing. Frogs are, that's the sentence. Frogs are, they exist <laughs> and they look sort of similar to us genetically because they have ribs and legs, you know? I was curious, to, I just wanted to think a little bit about what memes actually are because, you know, having very much been in the internet world for the past 15, 20 years, it started to take on very much its internet meaning. Mm -hmm. But like the internet has enabled a component of human psychology to kind of just be diffuse and perceived by so many people very, very rapidly through the internet, right? Which is what has given rise to internet memes. But what are we talking about as like the core... I guess, psychological reality or human trait that leads to mimetic thinking, that leads to memes. What are memes? What are memes, I suppose? A meme is a culture, a, a unit of cultural information passing from person to person. And I think that includes almost anything that's ever been done that we take for granted. And that was my story about the pork roast. We just continue doing things that someone did. And it could be shoes, it's language as a whole. Every piece of language memed itself into existence. But Ritual, that, religion, language. Yep. Any anything that has of kind of symbolic convention to mean one particular thing or to lend itself to one particular interpretation or approach. Any single thing. So that's what I'm categorizing as a meme. And in the case of image macros, this is how we speak on the internet because on the internet, this is the first time in human history where it is probably more common to communicate via text than speech or in person, right? You know what I mean? So like, it's so much easier and faster to just type into Discord or Telegram or text or even talk on the phone. And in all of those cases, you miss the subtlety. I guess on the phone, you get tone of voice a bit better, but you miss all of the micro expression on the face in posture, stance, uh, movements that we incorporate into the way that we communicate. Because it's not just verbal. There's a ton of nonverbal communication that we do. 
I think we've gained the ability to use memes by quickly transferring images alongside of our text, whether it's text plus an image or text overlaid on an image. That's how we use it now. And I think it helps us further detail the things that we're thinking. And E7 said this earlier, it's a quicker way for him to get, or I think it was E7 anyway, it might've been quite up. Um, it's a faster way for you to make a larger statement than text would allow for, because no one's going to read those four paragraphs of you detailing something that you can detail by simply sending an image. So meme means that currently in this context, but meme means almost anything in every other context. Hey, oh, hey, Donny. Hey, everyone. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I was going to add, Donny. Your last statement. It makes it easier to pass information without a lot of words when you use memes. And recently, our brains have become accustomed to quickly just glancing at information. If you notice, if you've been paying attention, you'd realize that the attention span has dropped over the years. And that's why it makes it really, really easier for memes to just go viral. You know, like people could just use it and express and move on really fast and other people could, you know, like just keep moving that, you know, around. And that's, I think that's what happened with uh, Pepe in in the Web3 space. I think I didn't really appreciate it until I started exploring the space and I realized that it was literally what I could use to express like a lot of emotions. You know, like Pepe is either, there's, there's a meme for everything is literally you could just literally find a pepper meme for everything and it makes it really beautiful nobody hates it like donny said and and for i think that mostly people who are in the web3 space love it more than if you if you if you bring if you bring together everyone uh, you might find some people who don't necessarily vibe with a frog um even though they use the internet, right? But then when you come to the Web3 space, it's one that has uh, stood out and would continue to stand out because it can't die. I mean, it could take five years and the next thing there's a pepper coin running or there's another, like, it's, it's just not going anywhere. It's just going to keep having variations of them like we have with the inscribed peppers and then the Bitcoin frogs. We just, like, keep seeing variations of them that we love and, and that we would um, enjoy using. I mean... For instance, during the before the inscribed Pepe launch, it was easier for people to become a part of the the what was it now the, the hype. It was easier for people to join the hype because it was Pepe, right? So people could express with different things. So someone could say something. It was so fun. I mean, like that was I had so much fun, even though I didn't get a spot, but it was fun responding with all of the memes. I had the bishop meme. I had the girl who wanted to get what the female pepper who was going to get married. <laughs> so it was just it's, it's just literally perfect. So I don't know how you, Donny, ever thought about this topic, like the way you analyze it, because I read I read what you wrote and I just kept wondering, like, how did Donny think of all of this? I mean, it's just Pepe. How how did how long has he thought of this? Right, this it was just, it exact really inclination <laughs> is why I'm divorced from my ex-wife because I'm impossible to live with because I pick apart every tradition because I can't remember any of them. I'm sure I've spoken about this before. I don't remember doing it, but I don't form memories in the same way everybody else does. So every single thing I'm doing, I'm doing for the first time and analyzing why I'm doing it that way and how I'm doing it. Uh, which is enraging to be around. Butoshi, yeah, what's up? I was going to say, we're on the topic of memes, but I don't think we've mentioned the word dank once. And I feel that is very key to meme culture. I, You're right. I haven't thought about this at all. 
Um, would you like to make a proposition about dank? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be dank? Because dankness is I mean, only, okay, only so used in reference I, to Pippa. When I hear the term like dank meme, or when I hear someone say like that meme is dank, like it was just a good ass meme, like that meme, like maybe it had a bit of like humor that would be sensitive to others. Maybe it's just a naturally organic meme, a brand new meme, but you just look at it and you're like, that's just dank. Or you smell good weed and you're like, ah, yeah, I mean, it comes from dang. a meme about oh. weed, right? It's It's interesting how memes blend right it comes from a meme like dank is a word that traditionally means something unappealing right something is dank and dark and gross and it became a positive thing to say about weed and that became such a weed meme of speech that it made its way into just memes in general that's so true because when i searched up dank i saw that like i saw the actual <laughs> I, I forgot about the actual definition of dank just because i'm so like fine-tuned to like memes and weed so when I like read like wet, nasty, damp, I'm like, that's not dank. That's gross. Yeah, it's funny that dank is what we use for that. Dank me maybe initially started as being like when you it probably started with weed, right? Yeah, you smell so the weed, you're like, damn, experience that's dank. A dank <laughs> nug, yeah, right. It's an overwhelming sensation yes. of some sort, right? It's it's there's a lot packed into a small place. So if we say a meme is dank. Maybe it's quite the same. Maybe we mean that the emotional data that's contained in that meme is dense. There's a lot going on with it, right? Because otherwise that word wouldn't really apply. So Pepe, I suppose, could be one of those things. And is, do you ever reference a meme that is not Pepe-based that is also dank? Because I've never used this word, so I don't really know anything about it. But is there anybody on stage or who wants to talk about this who has used dank not in reference to Pepe or weed? I mean. In terms of like other memes, I use it when a meme like hits. It doesn't have to be Pepe. Yeah. But it's like a meme is speaking to some intangible little angle of perception or reality that you hadn't considered before and it hits you, whether that's making you laugh or making you say, yeah, or whatever. Like when it touches your soul, <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> so we can say then that a meme can be dank to different people for different reasons which I think is an important distinction to make, especially considering this conversation about how Pepe is the universal meme. It's the thing that you put as the backdrop for the words that you're trying to convey if you don't want everyone to experience it differently. G generally speaking, you can make a meme that hits a certain category of person way harder. Like you said, again, Butoshi, I think you were talking about this last episode or the one before about how when someone has like an anime um, keychain hanging off their backpack, you know something about them. But that's polarizing because I think at that point, English said if he sees an anime keychain hanging off someone's backpack, it's a red flag for him. It's revolting for him. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, he, he thinks See, it, goes, it goes into like an even like deeper subcategory because you have like, okay, because there are there are cringe anime fans. There are there are anime fans where I'm just like, mm -hmm, right. But then there's like other anime fans where there's just like they're cool about it. Where it's just like, oh, like they're referencing one of your favorite animes. Or maybe there's even an anime you dislike. Or there are some like questionable ass animes out there where if they had merch repping that anime, that would be a red flag for me. I'm like, you are a human being I should not associate myself with type of thing. And therein lies the discussion or the exploration of the concept of meme that I think we can center around Pepe, specifically because it's a usage that does not color the content for most people, where everything else kind of does. And everything forms from 
everything spreads by meme before it becomes common. I think Pepe has become common at this point, but why did it spread? That was the question that I initially asked. Why is it that the frog spread so much more than many other things did? Language, of course, spreads because we need to find ways to communicate with one another concisely. Written language then spreads because it becomes better to trace things. It's like a battery pack for language and communication. Because if you can say something, you can tell one person or a crew or a crowd. If you can write something, you can tell everybody who came after you. Language was mandatory, and it started because of someone made a word for shoe, and now everybody calls it that because it just was it's, – it's basically social consensus, I think, was what I ended up finishing that article with. Memes are a manner of social consensus where we will, at the same time altogether, certain things into existence simply by using them as a culture. Boo, go for it. I was going to say, when you said, like, why did it spread in the first place, I was thinking about, like, why do I send my friends TikToks? And it's funny because, like, depending on the TikTok or, like, I could find, like, a bunch of different TikToks funny, but I'll only send that specific TikTok to, like, a specific group of friends who I know will, like, understand or get it. Or, for example, like, my best friend, it's like we smoke weed together and, like, she's my she's my weed buddy. So it's like when I come across <laughs> dang weed TikToks, I'll send it to only her specifically because, like, she understands me like that and, like, she'll get it type of thing. So I don't know. It's like, it's just like when, when I see something that I relate to, I kind of think in my head, oh, they'll relate to it too and I'll send it to them. And then they do get it and they do laugh at it as well. And then maybe they might send it to their other friends who might get it. And it just kind of starts that chain. I feel like that's what happened with Pepe. And there is no best meme. Like there is no best word. There is a best word for what you're trying to convey, but there's no best meme for everything. There's a best meme to say something to a specific group of people. Maybe we can kind of form that full judgment or that full position from this. Does anybody disagree heartily with that? I don't think I disagree. I mean... There are there are persons who send a particular meme to it becomes insulting depending on where they are from, right? So um specific memes are for specific people uh, at specific places. So you have to use it at the right place, at the right time, with the right people, for the right people. So yeah, um I do agree with you uh, on that. I wanted to further one of the points you made that when we use certain language or certain memes to say things to certain people. Those things can either be offensive or exciting or whatever. They can be interpreted differently by different groups of people. I think we do this everywhere. And I think that if you're eating a sandwich in your home over the sink because you don't like to mess with plates because then you got to clean them, but you also don't want to do it on your couch because then you get crumbs in your cushions, um, that's reasonable. And your partner might look at you and go, thank you. That's really good of you to do that. If you go to a restaurant and take your steak in the back by the dish pit and you start eating the steak over the dish pit, it's going to be interpreted very differently. Just in the same way as if you wear khakis to a lunch date with a friend, just a casual thing, they go, oh, you dressed up a little. How nice. If you wear khakis to a wedding, though, they're going to look at you like you're a bum because everybody else is dressed differently than you. Everything is contextual. And imagine, let's say Pepe, if we're going to dial this back, we're going to say Pepe is the outfit you can wear no matter what. And it's always accepted. Yeah. Israel, what's up? Yeah. So uh, I kind of agree with you. I think um, basically it's not just um, with memes, etc. It's also with life, um, with everything, basically. There are, there are some places you talk. Like there are some people you can talk to that you like, for, for example, your close circle of friends. You can even insult them 
and say stuff that people outside will be like, oh, that's hurtful, that's that's uh, whatever, whatever. Uh, hell, there are some guys, I, I, I'm not American, but I do know some guys that give um the, should I say, the free nigger, the free nigger card <laughs> to some of their friends. So, um, like, to their Asian friends, and they are like, it's cool. But don't go saying it outside, though. Like, this kind of stuff. So, you can't, there are some people that, yeah, you can talk to, but there are some, like, in a formal, for example, in a space like this, I'm not sure you'll be calling um, everyone nigga or you'll be saying, <laughs> you'll be cursing. So um, Yeah, you're speaking my language. I would not be doing that. That's true. I, I don't know exactly. that anybody could give me that card and I would use it, to be honest. I think it would feel pretty unnatural regardless of the permission. Yeah. Uh, but that's a really good point. There are There are some really drastically different cultural items that not only depend on who's hearing them, but also who's saying them. I, I think also... Um, the reason why Pepe um, is kind of mass adopted is because um, the n- true nature of um, the crypto space, the Twitter, is um, the decentralization. I mean, I'm in Nigeria currently speaking to you. You might be in the US or wherever. There are a thousand people. There are 500 people. I speak to like um, 200 people daily on spaces in different parts of the world and then there's this, um, should I say, there's this meme that connects where um, it's not like an inside joke. Um, basically, everybody in this, um, should I say, in this circle understands understands the meme. So um, it's one of the reasons why, should I say, um, Pepe, I believe Pepe is widely adopted as well. Furthers the point. Thank you for saying that. Uh, Pepe is the universal language where language does not always transcend geography because it because it can't, because we're still a geographic species. We still are where we are, and we are raised with the cultural traditions that are around us, regardless of how much time we spend on the internet, which I actually, I've been thinking for a long time that culture was just going to go away, that it was no longer, there would be no geographic culture because of the internet. And I guess in some ways it's beginning to happen. It's gonna take a lot of generations before it fully, I think, takes over. If you go to most city centers, you'll find that, a, a wide variety of people will speak similarly to most other city centers. And as soon as you start to go further out into the suburbs and rural areas, that's where you get a lot of strong cultural influence that ge- that's geographic. And I would bet it's because the exchange of information happens a little bit more slowly in rural and suburban areas because everyone's a bit more secluded from one another. Uh, if you live in Brooklyn, you walk outside and you walk by 12 people before you've hit the sidewalk in front of your apartment. Um, there's something to be said for that. And there's a, a wide variety of people from different places who are in that space. So somehow everybody in Brooklyn ends up sounding similar, even though they're all from different places. And everybody from Queens sounds like they're from what Brooklyn probably used to sound like. You know what I mean? Everybody from Boston city center probably sounds a bit like me, but every from, everybody from Boston in any suburb sounds like the Bostonian that you know and love or love to make fun of or whatever that is. So the speed of the transfer of data is changing the way that we operate and operating on the internet is changing the way that we have to try to be perceived in order to get the message across without being present to do so. Man, this has been good. If anybody has any further points, I'm happy to continue. Yeah, you, you actually have a very valid point. Um, I think I was in a space. I, I don't remember who was hosting, but um, the person said it's from 
I'm sorry, I'm not in the United States, so I might be wrong. But the person says he's from the country. I don't know, Kentucky or so. And then he said he moved to California and he doesn't know why. But for some reason, after two, two months, he's losing... Is it California or Florida? One of the two. He says he's losing his accent. Uh, that That's what basically happens to everyone who moves there. Everybody now sounds... Um, like, everybody sounds the same. And... And that, that's actually true. But although I would prefer um, with the internet and all that, I would prefer a situation where there's sort of a uni- unity in um, diversity, if you will. That's, yeah, everybody still have their cultures. Everybody still has their representations. We know the Asians for their food. We know for their love of the color red. We know them for the Lunar um, New Year. Those customs, those traditions, they don't actually fade away. They don't become a norm that everybody is now um, unified under one. It would be kind of boring if you understand what I'm saying. Then it's it's actually quite fun when there's a spice, there's a mix, there's a difference between um, me and Donnie. There's a difference in our accents. Although we can have like, should I say, oneness of mind, or we have okay common goals, but there's all there's all, always the uniqueness with culture. I don't think it's something we should lose. Definitely, definitely, I'm not promoting the homogenization of the human race. I don't think that's a good idea at all. In fact, I think it's kind of a terrifying dystopia to think that we are all going to become whitewashed. Uh, not to say that white is the color everybody you know you know what i'm saying i just mean like this yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> gotta be careful um i think that so my, my wife just moved down to south carolina to help her sister take care of kids and to just kind of get out of the restaurant industry and spread her wings a little bit and one month in she has a southern accent because she's living in rural south carolina and everybody she talks to speaks a certain way so her uh she's being memed into having a southern accent because if a meme is a transfer of a unit of cultural information from person to person, she's just, it's not like she read a book about a Southern accent and she's deciding to have one now because she thinks it's preferable. She's simply surrounded by it and taking it on. And I think that's how culture travels. In fact, Pepe, one person used it, Matt Fury, and now everyone's using it because everybody saw it. They didn't read a book about it and decide to. It was just somehow preferable or what was accepted at the time in that space. Uh, Prism. What's happening, man? Welcome up. Uh, have we talked about the rat yet? Because this might be the first. <laughs> no, we've this, is, this might be the first Ordinals native meme. Like I think it is, and you and you created that. That is a really good point, and it's funny because rats are typically kind of uh, not desirable creatures to be around or interact with or think about, you know, like, especially if you live in New York city, you know, that rats are just kind of like, there's like bugs. There's just really, really big bugs They're everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> kind of everywhere. Yeah. But this rat, you're right. The rat that we're talking about from the reforms, uh, art project is, I mean, if you look at him, he doesn't look like that. And I, I think maybe, Hmm. Do you think our disdain? So you look at a squirrel, right? And you go, how cute. You don't really want to touch it because they're kind of fast and unpredictable and you don't know if they carry diseases or whatever. Rats really aren't different from squirrels. They just look a little different, but they do kind of the same thing, except they're ground faring and not tree faring quite so much. I would bet that the rats view, our view on the rat as humans was changed dramatically by the bubonic plague. 
which was kind of caused by us, but transmitted by rats in a way, or like lots of rats are capable of carrying disease, but so are we again. Uh, I wonder why we don't like rats. Owl. Well, we didn't know at the time. I guess we figured it out later, though. At the time of the bubonic plague, humanity had no idea it was rats, though. No, certainly not. I'm saying we live in a post-bubonic plague era, so we can look back and sort of decide, like, in, in the books that were written about it, it was all rats that did this. So maybe we view rats because of their tendency to be genetically similar enough to carry disease and spread yeah. it to us. Uh, maybe we view them that, right? And it's like... <laughs> You and I have the same feelings, don't worry. But every time I strip it down and I draw like a rat, I look at the form of rat and I go, that's probably like a really nice creature. It probably has a family and it's just looking for a place to eat food. It doesn't mean to do whatever it, we think it's doing that is unfavorable. Well, it does right? a couple, they do a couple um, other things, which is that when they're hungry, they'll like gnaw. They'll like go out, they'll take bites out of humans if they have the opportunity to do it and bites out of pretty much anything if they're hungry. And then... Yeah. They also yeah, it is not a neutral meme platform. Predominantly, yeah. where our filth and refuse exists, right? Like they seem drawn a to everything part of the disgusting, of every disgusting byproduct of human existence. So you take you take something like that, we all see a certain way, and then you turn it into this this cute reform rat, and boom, it's a meme. Yeah, Prism, great point. I don't know what the rat is going to mean. Or how it's going to, hmm. All right. If Pepe, there's an original Pepe out there from 2005 from that comic strip that Matt Fury made. Uh, the original Pepe turned into many other people's takes on that Pepe. Although they're not inscribed on the same first Pepe, they are somehow like parent-child passively related to that Pepe. We know that Pepe was the first. It's not on chain or anything, but we know that there was a first and now there are iterations of it. The rat is kind of in a pointed way aggregating quite the same takes on that rat. And some of them are not rats. Some of them are poetry. Some of them are HTML, ASC art. Uh, some of them are pixel rats. Some of them are scribbled rats. And they're all saying different messages, but they're all rats. This is interesting. So no matter where the rat is, what's been done has been done and is viewable. So it still has occurred no matter what. And if it gets locked there somehow forever for all of eternity, that's still just kind of funny. It's a funny part of the joke, right? Any closing notes from anybody before I actually do wrap it up? Um, thanks. Thanks for the input. Ordinals are not dead. Ordinals and Bitcoin are doing what they do best, which is being immutable. On-chain inscription numbers are apparently immutable, but transactions are not. Uh, regardless of how we view what's been done, what's done is done, and it's there. This has been another episode of Don't Say NFT, the show where we usually don't say NFT. Thanks again to Crypto Sapiens, Bankless Dow. Have a great day, everybody.